This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, September 26, 2022 edition, and we are in the final few days of the third quarter, only four trading days remaining, and I hope your portfolio is optimized for this market. Now, if you're if you're down, don't feel bad. It's if you're long anything right now, you're you're gonna uh, feel a bit of pain. It's just a matter of how much pain that is and how pre- how <clears throat> well positioned you are to bounce back once we uh, do find a market footing. And that's what I'm here to help you do. That's my task for today: is give you perspective and knowledge and data to help you make good investment decisions. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I look forward to this hour with you on Invest Talk to hearing your finance and investment questions and giving you my straight and unbiased answers. And of course, my phone number, as always, doesn't change. It's 888-989-CHART. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Now, my main focus point today concerns the story behind this question. Is the real cure for inflation being ignored? So we're going to dig into uh, a less talked about part of the inflation picture. And in focusing on raising interest rates to cool inflation, central banks and governments have overlooked the importance of maintaining stable currencies. And that's what we're going to discuss uh, amongst others. And I see we have some voice bank input ready to play as well. And on deck, we have questions about I-bonds as well as crowdfunding for real estate investments. So my perspective segment this uh, for this Monday will focus on small businesses. So I'll give you some history there. And I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. So I'm going to take your live calls at 8899 chart as well as your recorded calls. So don't hesitate to reach out. Now let's take a look at the market today. It was another follow through to the downside. We closed at the lowest levels of the year. We didn't break the lows from back in what was that date? June 17th. That was the the summer lows. And we, but but we closed off of the actual lows on that day. And then we had a subsequent rally into mid-August. And now we've had this sell-off here and the continuation of the 10-year uh, to new highs. You have the 10-year closing at 3.878. You have the dollar closing pretty strong. You have the green, the, uh, the, the British pound that was down pretty big overnight. And that was really the, the foreign currency story there. And the big question is, will Jerome Powell, and he has two speeches this week, one is tomorrow, I believe the other is Wednesday or Thursday. And will he start to recognize the kind of uh, expedient move to the upside uh, in the currency as well as the the interest rates and how much impact that will ultimately have on the dollar because that's going to be very important uh going forward to 
see how much the Fed is recognizing that, hey, they've gone pretty far, pretty fast. They continue to promise that they're going to go even farther, even faster. And the big question will be is, are they okay with that? And uh, remember, the inflation data is always pretty backwards looking, especially the CPI number. And the markets, they react more in real time as well as what they're expecting for the market going forward or the economy going forward. And so, you know, the Fed is unfortunately pretty late, both sides, right? They were late to ease off the stimulus pedal. And now they are, it looks like they are late to ease off the brake pedal. Uh, and they were slamming on the gas at full speed during COVID with uh, buying corporate bonds and uh, unlimited QE and, and just really going crazy one way. And now they're kind of going crazy the other way. Uh, now they don't want to create any systematic issues. And I think with the parabolic rise in the dollar and interest rates since the Fed meeting, that could be a trigger. And that's the big question, what is that trigger? for them to realize that, hey, raising rates and, and taking the foot off the gas is smart, probably putting uh, the foot on the brake is smart, but to slam on the brake is a whole nother uh, endeavor. And, you know, we'll see uh, this week to see if this is the start of of that, uh, that shift, uh, not to QE, but to just pausing. And, and this is uh, a Fed that is, is probably not going to go back to QE anytime soon, um, maybe one day, uh, but it'll just be about a pause. And the sentiment is really bad. Sentiment is really negative right now, and people are have a lot of cash, uh, a lot of shorts. You had record short, uh, a record put buying uh, last week by individuals, and uh, oftentimes that might marks at least a short term bottom. Uh, and often we get bottoms in late September, early October as well. Now let's get our first listener question now. Hi, I love the show. I have Costco, C-O-S-T, and I want to hear your thoughts on if I should buy more, hold, sell. Thank you. All right, looking at Costco and a name that should be on everyone's watch list, great company, but uh, I think it's going to continue to go lower. This is one of those names that over-earned during the pandemic. People were stocking up uh, because of shutdowns, potential shutdowns, they have a lot of extra money to go out buy physical goods, which Costco does sell that they sell food as well as, you know, a lot of household items and electronics and TVs and things like that. And that's just slowing uh, pretty dramatically. And it's now it's trading at about 36 times earnings. That's just too high. It's a, it's a name you want, you're, you're going to pay a premium. It's okay. Quality names with quality businesses, quality franchises, paying a premium to market is expected. And that's okay. But what about, what is too much, right? What is too much? Right now, enterprise value to EBITDA is 20 times, which is about the average longer uh, over the last five years. But the last five years, we haven't seen this interest environments. So multiple should be a little bit lower as, as well as hey, that enterprise or that EBITDA is likely to uh, decelerate. So I don't see Costco as a good buy until it gets probably around 300. Now we're at 480. So I th still think there's a ways to go for Costco to uh, to weaken. And I would be very, very patient 
on Costco, but definitely have it on your watch list. Now we're heading to a break. I'll welcome your finance and investment questions right now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda during this hour. So give InvestTalk a call at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein Investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 888-99-CHART. Hello, InvestTalk. Love the show. My question is regarding the three-month Treasury bill. I see that the current interest rate is 3.21% for a three-month Treasury bill. Does that mean if I buy a Treasury bill for $10,000, I get 3.21% back in three months? Is that the way it works? I'll look forward to your answer on the podcast. Thank you very much. No, you get a quarter of that. Remember that that number is annualized. So it's if if you if it stayed at that level and you kept reinvesting it, right? And uh, after the three month maturity, and you do that for the an entire year, then you're going to get that three and a quarter percent. But you're not going to earn three percent total over three months. So that's annualized, okay? Uh, figure. So hope that clarifies it uh that would be amazing right if you can get three percent basically one percent a month you're getting apr with the be you know north of 13 percent uh annually so uh, i think uh, i think you have to have some clarity there and know that when you're looking at these figures they're always annual it's just like if you buy a 10-year treasury yield means that you're getting 10 you're getting that rate so call it four four and what are we at now 3.87. Yeah. So you're going to get 3.87% every year locked in. If you're buying the actual bond. Now, if you're buying a bond fund, that's going to shift, right? So understand the difference as well between a bond fund and the actual treasury. Now, considering the story behind this question, is the real cure for inflation being ignored? And that's a that's something that 
Um, I think the that that's the big question I kind of talked I asked on the top of the show is, hey, the Fed is focused on inflation, fighting inflation, but they're also not talking about creating a stable currency, and that is especially with the dollar being the global reserve currency, that is some ways equally as important. Because if you have global financial instability because of a strong dollar, that puts a risk to the whole system. And historically, the strong dollar has wrecked emerging markets. Think of the Asian financial crisis in 98 with the Thai bat. I bought, I bought. And today it's a bit different. Why? Because the developed world is a lot more in debt than the emerging world. Europe, Japan, especially, right? Japan has had an amazing amount of debt for a long period of time. And they import a lot of their raw materials. So if you have a lot of debt and you import your net importer, and your currency is getting weaker, especially compared to the dollar, which a lot of currency, a lot of commodities are priced in, that is a recipe for big problems. And that's what you're seeing right now in Great Britain, but also in China, who is a huge importer of raw materials, and Japan. Now, Japan has started to take steps to support their currency. So it hasn't been as weak lately. But that's also why you see treasuries, treasury rates go up because in order to defend their currency, they're needing to sell dollar assets. And their biggest dollar asset is our treasuries. They're typically big buyers of treasuries. And so when you get this really aggressive Fed policy, it turns into really a currency game. And currencies aren't supposed to be that volatile. And the government, it typically has stepped in when there is a lot of strength in the dollar. For example, back in the 80s, when Paul Volcker raised rates, the Fed funds rate to 20%, Reagan stabilized the economy by cutting taxes, introducing deregulation, but he also sold the dollar and bought other currencies to try to lessen the impact. And they don't, the Biden administration doesn't seem like they're thinking or willing to do that because they're focused too much on inflation. What we are doing right now is we are exporting inflation to the rest of the world. And so these currency imbalances can create problems for the rest of the world. And it suggests that the Fed has, has really gone too far when there, has, when there is this extreme currency volatility. And I think that's why you're going to see something break soon. And ultimately, the Fed will pivot to a pause. Now we're heading to a break. Steve and I are happy to play recorded voice bank questions for you. But we love your live calls as well. Our number never changes. It never closes on Invest Talk at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, Duncan Forrest from New York. Thank you for all that you do, especially during these uh, crazy market conditions. Let's dive into it. I have a quick question on General Mills, G-I-S. What I'm looking for is an entry point. I actually have Fidelity right in front of me. I'm going to read you off a couple of metrics. Just want you to help me also as your student, see if I'm doing this right. I'm looking at the PE ratio is 17. The industry average is 18. So I just want to know if I am looking at a high PE ratio or low PE ratio. What I'm also looking at too is a chart. I see that it is way above its 50-day moving average and way above its 100-day moving average. So just trying to see if I'm uh, looking at the right metrics, trying to be better at stock picking. And thank you for all that you do. Bye. Well, the first good thing that you're doing is you're looking at the multiples it's trading at compared to its industry average and slightly above, but General Mills is one of the better run consumer staple companies out there. So you're probably going to pay a bit of a premium to the sector, but you know, that's fine. Uh, but the question more to me is what is this trading at compared to its history? of itself, right? what multiple is it trading at, versus, and also where are earnings headed? Now, what's interesting is earnings are expected to continue to go up, not a lot, 4% this year, 5% next year, and those estimates continue to kind of go up a little bit. So this is definitely a non-cyclical, I guess, counter-cyclical, is, is, is really what you would call it, more than anything. You're making yogurt, cereals, specialty foods, snacks, and when people don't have as much money, they, they're not eating out uh, as much, and they're they're eating more. Uh, and especially as more people are working from home, they're buying more stuff from the grocery store. So that's a positive. It is a bit expensive, though, compared to history. It's trading at about 15 times enterprise value to EBITDA. And that's the one thing that I would say you're, you're doing wrong, is you're looking at P.E., which is not a great measure. You want to look at enterprise value uh, compared to some sort of cash flow measure as opposed to earnings. EBITDA is one. There are others to look at, free cash flow, EBIT, uh, a lot of others, but I would not use PE. Uh, so that's the first criticism that I, I would give you. Now, technically, it is strong. It's, below, it's above all its major moving averages. It had a nice surge a few uh, middle of last week. I'm not sure if that was on earnings or what, but... Uh, you know, it's MACD is starting to diverge though. So that momentum, the upside is definitely waning. And I don't know if I would pay an above average multiple in this environment, even though it is kind of counter cyclical and it's doing okay. Uh, it's still not growing very fast. So you're going to pay 20, you know, times 14, what, what, what it was 14. Yeah. Nearly 15 times enterprise value to EBITDA. That's a little expensive for my, my taste. In the low 60s, right now this is in the high 70s. In the low 60s, that's where it looks interesting, but not at these prices. So I'm passing on General Mills at the moment because of diverging technicals, and I don't like the multiple trading it. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy of getting to their questions quickly. So we're going to go look at the question from Jupiter2474. It says, I have a question about CP. Rx, that's CPRX, Catalyst Pharmaceuticals, 
Would you say this is a long-term hold or short-term trade? So this uh, had a nice move higher from about, in June it was trading about six bucks, hit a high of over $17 just a few weeks ago, but has come back into about $12. CP, oh, let me pull this up here. I'm not sure the news that drove it up so dramatically, but the good, the good news is that they're earning money. Supposed to earn 70 cents this year, 85 cents next year, revenues up 46% the year over year, earnings up 75%. So earnings growth over the, and that's the last quarter, but earnings growth over this year and next year in the 20% range. And it's trading at about a 16, let's see, 80, 85 cents next year, $12 stock. It's a mid-teens multiple on PE. Uh, let me look at how much debt they have. Because that's going to be important to me. Years of losing money. They had lose, lost money for a long period of time. Um, a different screen here. Okay. Oh, so they have net cash on their balance sheet. So enterprise value only uh, even at net. Let me start over. Enterprise value to EBITDA is at about 13.7 which is pretty low for something growing that fast. So I'm actually gonna give this a thumbs up on this pullback. Uh, now it probably is a little more to go to the 100 day moving average, but around 10 bucks, I think this is a buy. Thanks for the call. Now on the next invest talk, the story behind this question. Could an oil supply shock be imminent? Oil demand has remained resilient in the face of a multi multitude of challenges and even prices of over $100 per barrel failed to curb any significant way earlier this year. That's tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing 
by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I had a question about the stock LRLC. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Feasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. Maximize your home experience with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Stream all over with reliably fast Wi-Fi throughout your entire home. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. In certain cases, panoramic Wi-Fi pods sold separately may be required for extended coverage. Restrictions apply. This house is a hidden gem. Door sensors? The owners installed an Ecobee home monitoring system. Ecobee? I read the alarm turns on and off automatically. No keypads. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about these tall... Ooh, a smart camera. Follows, pans, and zooms all on its own. Notice the... Smart thermostat reduces home energy costs by up to 23%. Shall we go upstairs? I think I'll visit ecobee.com. Suddenly, I'm imagining what my home could be. Healthy shakes replenish your body and repair what the day took away. But what about your teeth? Pronamel Repair Toothpaste helps repair acid-weakened enamel. By brushing in vital minerals, you don't just brush to clean, you brush to build. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Do we have a disadvantage as investors on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action? They're right there in New York. And what's your question? 888-99 chart is how to reach Justin right now on Invest Talk. Now is the perfect time to start your own business, a Benjamin Franklin plumbing business. Take it from Chris, a successful Benjamin Franklin franchise owner. I knew with the support of the franchises, Benjamin Franklin's recognizable branding and their good morals and ethics that I could own a franchise and be better than the competition.
markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, uh, I'm thinking to buy farmland as an investment for a long term. Uh, buying it and uh, rent it out to farmers, is it a good idea? Uh, can I have your opinion? Uh, thank you so much. I have no problem with buying farmland. It's just about what, what the numbers are. And that goes with all real estate. Every real estate has some sort of value. It's just a matter of what's the long-term trajectory of demand for that region, that city, that particular type of property, the location of that property, etc. So I can't tell you to go buy farmland and buy a specific piece of farmland without knowing the actual numbers behind it. But in a world where demand for raw commodities are going to continue to go up, you have the US as a net exporter of commodities. I don't think it's going to change, especially foodstuffs. And I think that's a that's a good idea. Now, uh, do you want to lock up all of your assets, right? Farms are not cheap. Is it the majority of your assets? I would say probably no. Into one farm? No, you don't want to do that. 5, 10, 15% of your total net worth? Maybe, if the numbers line up, but I have no problem with the general idea. Hope that helps. Now, as investors are all quite aware of America's business leaders, but when we think of the US labor force, we should also consider the role of small businesses. And small businesses have always been an important part of the American identity, right? The American dream, start your own business, and Build your freedom. And before I share some current data, let me give you some perspective with a bit of history. Now, over time, the role of small businesses has evolved from the scrappy early days of our country's economy to the information age where you can launch a business of many different types fairly easily. Now, looking back, if you had been alive in America during its infancy, there would have been a strong chance that you were a farmer by occupation. And that means you were an independent small business yourself. And so up until about 1970 or 1790s, excuse me, the population was nearly entirely agrarian. Now in 1820, a whopping 72% of America's workforce worked on farms, 2.1 million out of 2.9 million. It's only 200 years ago. Now, northern farmers maintained small, self-sufficient farms, while the south was dominated by large tobacco, cotton, and fruit plantations. And back then, small business owners were idolized as the backbone of America. Now, fast forward. Here are some recent statistics. This is from the U.S. Census Bureau. And the definition of a small business can change, but depending on the circumstances in the industry, it's safe to say that any business with under 500 employees is a small business. And there are 31.7 million small businesses 
in the US today. Now out of 25.7 million, they have no staff members. So that's small business. You're, you're think of uh, most real estate agents, for example, probably just have staff of one. But 6 million businesses employ paid workers. And in 2020, about 4.4 million businesses between one and four paid employees were registered in the United States. So think about that. Of the 6 million, 4.4 million have one to four employees. The average number of employees in a small business, 10. The average small business revenue with no employees, only 44,000 a year. So very small. Now, the average revenue of a small business with employees is $4.9 million, and small businesses in the U.S. have an estimated 60 million employees in total, making it 47.3% of all employees in the United States. And they create two-thirds of net new jobs. So, strengthening small businesses really strengthens the entire country. And as of 2019, small businesses was small business was estimated to account for 44% of all U.S. economic activity. So, I think most people don't understand that that it is the small business that really is the swing producer of jobs in this country, and. I don't think it's going to change. Hopefully it's not, because I think that's where a lot of our economic dynamism does come from. Now let's pivot back to the Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hey there, Stephen Justin, long-time listener here. Appreciate the show. Um, calling about Brookfield, BEP. Um, I've held a small position in them for a while, and I'm, they've kind of grown and are about 12% of my portfolio now, so I was looking to get out at a good price, whatever you thought. Might be a good one. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts up here. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Looking at BEP, Brookfield Renewable Partners, and they generate electricity in the U.S., Europe, and throughout throughout the use through the use of renewable resources. They don't earn any money. They're losing money, but they're supposed to finally make money next year and yielding about 4%. Definitely not a name that I would be having double digit percentage of over overall portfolio. They have a ton of debt on their balance sheet. And if you look at their dividend payout ratio, it's negative. I mean, this is, I would, I would sell this completely. Okay. I wouldn't own any of it. Thanks for the call. Now let's look at some numbers when it comes to option buying and obviously buying puts is a type of protection against uh, market sell-off of individual names or the overall uh, market as a whole and purchases of a put a put option contracts on stocks and etfs have surged big money managers spent 34.3 billion dollars on options in the four weeks up to september 23rd and it was the total largest on record in data going back to 2009 and four times the average since the start of 2020. Now, institutional investors alone have spent $9.6 billion in the past week. Okay. Now, in just adjusting for the growth in the U.S. stock market over the past two decades, the volume of equity put options purchased 
was equivalent to the level reached during the financial crisis. And earlier this month, the S&P 500 suffered the biggest sell-off of more than two years, but the VIX didn't go above the 30 mark. So that was kind of the most interesting, is that we're not getting a subsequent kind of surge in the VIX until just recently. Actually, today, it did go above the 30 mark, 32. And usually, large drawdowns push above that level and often marks at least a short-term bottom. Definitely did in June, that's for sure. So we finally got there. But it took record put option buying to do that. And Kenneth Fitzgerald, a big trading house, said their clients are now taking profits on some hedges and they are actually reestablishing them, meaning buying more options at lower strike prices. And this is all because the, the path of inflation, the path of policy, path of earnings growth, and valuations are all in flux. And a majority of equity investors have adopted the view that, hey, a hard landing is inevitable. And frankly, I think if the Fed remains on the current path, it is. Because once again, they are backwards looking. They're not looking at the, the live data. You would think with today's technology, they'd be able to react in a little more real time, but they don't. So they're going down the path of over-tightening like they, they usually do, but that does, that does turn into a pivot, and I think we're very close to that. Now let's squeeze in another caller question now. Hey, Justin, Sigma Lithium. S-G-M-L. I'm thinking about buying it. It looks like it's had a pretty good run in the last six months. I was just wondering uh, what your take was on it. And if it was a go, what would be a good buy point, if not now? Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, this is Sigma Lithium Corp. It's a Canadian-based lithium mining company. And it looks like they are finally about to hit some pay dirt and start producing at least that's what the earnings estimates for next year insinuate. 2023 earnings are expected to be $3.15, whereas they've lost money every year since 2017. And they don't have any current revenue. So I've never heard of this name, but the fact that analysts are actually expecting them to earn a profit, it means that... They finally hit pay dirt. Now it is on a pullback with the overall market, but it's in an uptrend. And I would like this kind of high teens would be great, but back around 21, 22, it's fine with me. So uh, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of lithium, if you're looking forward, that $3 in earnings is something that is quite attractive on a $24 stock, eight times. Now it's a commodity name, so it's not going to trade at a super high multiple, but I think that's reasonable if they are actually going to produce. So I have to dig into that and whether or not that's just speculation. Do are they a hundred percent sure that's going to come online next year, or is that still up in the air? And that would be the swing decision for me. Uh, so I need I would need to look into that, uh, and I would do that if I were you.
Now let's head over to Dallas. We're going to talk to Jay. He wants to talk about real estate. Yes. Uh, can you hear me? I can, yes. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. I'm looking at an investment property in a very highfalutin uh, Colorado ski town. Mm -hmm. And just kind of your take on this, this would be a second home. We would VRBO or Airbnb 48 weeks out of the year and ultimately use it as kind of a second little getaway, you know, once a year or something like that. My question to you is, this, uh, unfortunately, where we're looking is about $1.2 million for a two-bedroom. Hmm. And, okay. of course, the interest rates have gone through the roof over the last few months, as we all know. We can put about 20% down on that, but given the rental income, that wouldn't be enough to offset HOA dues as well as the mortgage. And we know we would bleed a little bit but it still would be about a $40,000 a year bleed on, you know, a $900,000 mortgage at the current rate. Um, the flip side of that is that it appreciates 10% a year in this town over the last 25 years on a bad year. So the appreciation can offset that if you can afford to write the checks every month, if that makes sense. My question to you is, is this just a pie-in-the-sky idea, or, or what, what's your kind of take? I know with what limited information I give you. And secondly, how do people like me get into something like this without having to put a massive down payment? Because that $200,000 down to $1.1 million is about our math. Uh, just kind of your take on, on that, because I feel like there should be other ways outside of a mortgage Death by mortgage, if you will. Uh, thank you for taking the call. Uh, of course. I'll listen quietly. Yeah. So the first thing is I would not expect 10% appreciation for the next 20 years. Uh, you don't want to look backwards like that. We're entering a new environment where interest rates are going to be marching up versus marching down. And in real estate, no matter where it is, lower interest rates are going to be a tailwind to prices. We've seen that for north of 30 years where mortgage rates were 20% in the early 80s, and as of a year or so ago, they were at 3%. I don't think we're going to see 3% anytime soon. Uh, and so you you can't expect that 10% uh, increase in, in rates or in, in prices. Now, could it outperform the broader real estate market? Sure, absolutely. But... Don't think of, never invest in a rental real estate or investment real estate uh, for price increase, okay? Uh, number two, if you're okay with the $40,000 burn as your, you know, kind of cost to have that second home, then sure, go for it. But there, is, there are headaches with VRBOing. Uh, you get bad tenants, they can ruin the property, especially you have a lot of turnover there. That can be an issue. Plus, the whole VRBO, Airbnb, hasn't really been around during a rough economic time. It started you know, well after the financial crisis in earnest and uh, was, for a lot of people, earned good money during those times. But in a down market, I don't think that uh, is going to be as good. So I would say, I would pass on it. Be very patient uh, and wait for prices to come down because I almost guarantee they will. Now we're heading to a break. I'm ready for your calls at 888-99-CHART.
Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Brian calling from Denver. I had a question about um, possibly purchasing some some Vanguard ETFs that are based on uh, the different sectors available. Um, I realized that, uh, you know, purchasing into various sectors is very dependent on the economic cycles. Um, so I was looking for some insight onto maybe what sectors you guys believe are, um, you know, good places to be uh, for the somewhat near term, you know, next year or two, um, as we kind of go through um, uh, the current economic cycle. Um, if you could provide any insight into that, that would be amazing. Thank you. All right, what sectors to own? Well, we still think, despite the strong dollar, that commodities are a good place to be longer term as Russia now is kind of cut off from the world stage and they're a huge exporter to the rest of the world of raw commodities, so in, especially energy. So uh, I think the sell-off in energy is a buying opportunity. There are other sectors that can do well. Uh, utilities are a strong outperformer. Uh, so that's a sector that, that we like, despite you know higher interest rates. Uh, and industrials, I think longer term industrials are going to benefit from reshoring and manufacturing. Back to the US, back to North America, really, Mexico, Canada, etc. So those are three that we like, like best. Uh, now, if you're buying the Vanguard funds, you're just kind of uh, indexing. I would rather own the individual names, the best of the breed within those sectors, but depends on which work you want to do. Okay. So those would be the top three in my book for the medium term. Obviously, if you go in for, if we continue this weakness, the Fed continues to kind of hike rates this aggressively, then everything's going to sell off. Uh, but, you know, those are the three that we like medium to long term. And we have time for one more caller question from our anytime listener line at 888 chart Hi, Stephen Justin. Uh, Bob from Wisconsin here. I called in a few weeks ago about Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N. Uh, I know it's been discussed a couple times on the show, and I called at that time because they had a change in CEO, which you guys, or at least uh, Justin, seemed to think it was a positive. I kind of bought a couple of shares just to watch it, but it's been slowly going down uh, with a lot of other stocks right now, but even more so than the rest of the sector has been. But today I noticed now that they announced any and all cash tender offers to purchase outstanding notes. Could you go over exactly what that's all about and whether that's bullish or bearish for this company and, and whether or not you still like the stock? Would you buy more here or sell or just hold? Would appreciate your thoughts, guys. Thank you very much. All right, looking at Lumen, and yeah, they're trying to buy back some of their debt in the open market and use their cash flow, their very robust cash flow, uh, in order to do it. So it's kind of like buying back your own stock, but you're buying back your own debt. And if the debt is cheap enough, 
uh, you can oftentimes, you know, you you can get a good price for that, uh, and you can re- no longer pay that interest. Uh, so, you know, when interest no when the interest yields are are pretty high, uh, then it makes sense for that. It can go directly to the bottom line. So, I think that's a good thing. Uh, now, you might say, well, they might cut their dividend in order to do that, or they might uh, not do stock buybacks. Uh, but frankly, in this environment, it's probably better for them to use their their cash and their cash flow to reduce their total debt outstanding, which that's their, their biggest issue, is their business is shrinking, uh, but their cash flow remains very robust. And the market is not liking that shrinkage, even though they're just kind of pivoting their strategy. Uh, but overall, I think it's a, it's a good thing. So uh, I like uh, the plan by this new CEO so far. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Our official download count now exceeds 45 and a half million. Thanks to you. you can get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.